Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Tuesday, November 2nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that did not know that Travis Anheim was the new PA rep for the Flyers this year. Did you know that? I, I you know, I'm embarrassed. I did not know. Yeah, apparently uh, JVR is the rep no more. Travis Sandheim is in. Travis Konechny is the alternate rep. So we will uh, look forward to seeing what he does in his regime, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Keep up to date on all our episodes and Flyers news. If you want to get in touch and don't have Twitter, you can do that. Email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with the great Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's show, we're going to get caught up on some Flyers updates, mostly around what the lineup is going to look like in our game tonight versus the Arizona Coyotes, and then do our weekly check-in with the Phantoms. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Sports Network. All right, Russ, so they made a few tweaks in yesterday's practice, along with giving us a couple updates. First off, uh, Kevin Hayes and Ryan Ellis were spotted doing rehab workouts with Danny Briere, and Ryan Ellis is now more like week to week, so they say. Yeah, that's extended now, and that, that has me worried a little bit, because when it changes from day to day to week to week, and it's been a little bit of time, there's reason to worry. Yeah, I am very much worried because I think that we really need to get some more solid defensive play and we are missing exactly what Ryan Ellis was supposed to bring to this team in terms of stability on the top pairing and really good, you know, zone exits and things like that. So I am hoping it is not as bad as they're saying, but things keep changing on a regular basis. So, And that's the worry. It's not so much what the injury is. It's the amount of time that it's now taking because, you know, we don't know if there was a setback. We just don't know if it's not getting better. Those are the worries. On the upside, uh, AV said that Kevin Hayes looks to be joining the team for practices soon, which is a good thing to hear. Mm-hmm. And then we learned that for tonight, uh, Nick Abe-Kubel will be back in the lineup and Patrick Brown is sitting. AV said that, you know, they wanted to get Patrick Brown in for a couple of games and see what he had to offer. They have now learned that information and are putting NAK back in <laughs> and giving him another shot. So I, I, all of this is means everything and nothing, right? <laughs> right. It is the right move, though. It's kind of like, all right. We see that Brown's not an upgrade. We like Aubrey Cabell. He is making some dumb plays out there, but he does have some scoring ability occasionally, and he does have some toughness. He just has more to offer than Patrick Brown. That's just the reality. Whether 
there's more downside or not with the penalties, everything else is better upside. And I would agree with that, honestly. The other big update we saw from practice yesterday was some tweaks to the power play structure, or at least not the system, but the personnel on each group. And According to Alain Vigneault, the change was spurred on by wanting to move Cam Atkinson to power play one because he has been the most prolific skater offensively. And so they wanted to to put him on that top unit. As a result, you know, JVR then becomes net front on power play two. Provorov is now on power play one. So he switched Provorov and Yandel, which I don't know if I agree with that. But what was your take on, on some of those changes? Two things I don't agree with. I don't know why you switched up Provorov and Yandel. I, it's not like I, I, I've said. Yandel doesn't have a bomb of a shot, but as far as like moving the puck around, he's terrific. And passing, it, it's better than Provorov. Provorov has a shot that definitely gets on net, and it's more accurate than, than Yandel, but he's not as good a passer. He's good, but just not as good as Yandel, which is no slight. The other thing I looked at, Travis Konechny versus Joel Farabee. Each have one power play point. Why is Konechny on the top power play? He gets about 30 seconds on average more a game on that top power play. Farabee's getting a fair amount of power play time, but now he's on the second power play. I can make an argument that Joel Farabee's better on the power play than Konechny. He was better last year on it, and I think he's still better than him on it. I'm of the opinion here that you want to stack the deck in your first power play unit, that if you're leaving Farabee on the second unit because you think they need some sort of energy or firepower and not have it be that much significantly weaker, in theory, than the top group, then, you know, I sort of get it. But I I don't like that as a strategy because your top unit is going to spend the most time. Yeah, no, I get that. But you, you've got Yandel and JVR. Like, it's not like you have nothing there. Exactly. So why not put Farabee, who's been working the hardest on the power play of anybody, I think. Yeah. Like, why leave him on that second unit? Because he's not a veteran. Anyhow, we move on. <laughs> <laughs> My other side question related to the Pro V Yandel switch is that if you move Cam Atkinson to the top unit because he is the most prolific offensively, Right now, who's going to pass him the puck to get those shots? That's a good question. I want Yandel making those passes. Yeah, Yandel's the better passer. I know. I Look, I, I don't know if this is going to last. I'll just go out and say it now. Well, I guess we'll find out how it goes tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Is tonight really an indicator with the team they're playing? Like, anything could work tonight. Well, that's true. <laughs> the the Arizona Coyotes are at the bottom of the NHL. And so I think this is a good opportunity for the Flyers to keep it simple, but kind of get her done out there. So the first thing that they need to do, and we've been banging this drum for several games now, is to stay out of the penalty box. Yep. And hopefully they will do that and not even need the PK. Uh, But they need to be in a position where they're controlling the pace of the game and their Mm -hmm. offense is always given as much opportunity as possible. So the other thing is to get an early lead and keep it because that's what you have to do against bad teams. That's exactly how the script should should be written. Yes. I've got some stats, too, for Arizona. Their team save percentage is 868. Their shooting percentage is 5.8. The league average is 9.2. Shane Gossespierre is leading them in points with five. Keller's got three oh, no. goals but four points. Yeah. 
And Kessel's only got four because he's close to retirement, even though he's probably not, but he should be. So, I mean, they really are they're, – they're a bad team. It doesn't mean they don't have players that can't have a good night, but you should be able to dominate this game and get that lead and, and keep that lead. You really should be able to. And that's something that – you know, at least I've worried about with the Flyers over the past few seasons is that they play down to their competition sometimes. And this is yeah a game that is ripe for that possibility. And they have to figure out how to work around that and play their best form of hockey, even though their opponents may not be at the same level. Yeah, I, I agree. I think just get a lot of pucks on the net. I don't want to be cliche here. But considering the save percentage is so low and their goaltending is a little bit suspect, you know, it's going to help you. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, I don't know. Is this a game you want to bet on, Russ? No. (laughs) If you're going to bet on Flyers, Yotes, Bet Online is the best place to do that. Bet Online is back and better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of basketball season. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football and hockey action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your podcasting platforms. And it is time for our weekly check-in with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, Still not looking good up there overall. It's not a this is not going to be a positive report. I just have a spoiler <laughs> alert. I, you know, I think there are small things that we can feel good about, but you're right. Most of it doesn't look good. They are still in last place in the Atlantic Division, 05 and 2. They're in last place in the league overall. Um, also of note, they are last in power play success with only two goals on 32 chances. And uh, that is very glaringly terrible. You're losing me on the positive stuff. But go ahead. Keep going. (laughs) They're also last in shots per game. And that's not good either. Over the weekend, they lost all three games uh, versus Wilkes-Barre Scranton. They lost 4-2. At Utica, they lost 5-2. And uh, versus Syracuse, they lost in overtime. Actually, pretty heartbreakingly. It was 3-2. 
in overtime there. And in the last two games, I will say they did have some really good moments and played pretty well for significant portions of both of those games. Like it looks like they're starting to get things together. They just can't hold on to a lead. In both of those games, they had leads. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think that not holding on to a lead, though, is some players, but a lot of coaching, too. Because I just feel like when I'm watching this team, they're, they all aren't on the same page. They're all not getting the same message. There's times when, like if you want to take um, into account, uh, let's just say the Utica game. They were playing keep away. It was kind of like embarrassing. Even in their zone, they were playing keep away. So I just, you know, there were there were good moments and bad moments over the weekend for sure. There were, and uh, we had a couple of newcomers to the Phantoms this week. Uh, Cooper Zach played in his first game in that uh, Syracuse game on Saturday, and then they did recall Kirill Ustamenko from Reading because Urson was hurt in that previous game. Uh, he he completed the game, but he was kind of brought up as an emergency. I hope Urson's okay. Yeah, me too. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Now let's look at again some of the top guys we're trying to keep an eye on, and of course, I think the first person we have to talk about is Morgan Frost. He actually got his first goal in the Saturday game versus Syracuse. He had a goal and an assist in that game. Also took two penalties though. So, you know, again, I thought he had some really good moments, but not, I think, consistently the way we would like to see him play. No, I, I agree with that. Um, I don't love his line mates. People were texting me, why, why are they playing him with Wilson and Mayhew? I mean, is the thought because they're veterans? Like, I don't think Morgan Frost has to play with needs to play with veterans, especially in the AHL. He needs to play with high caliber talent. That's not high caliber talent. Yeah, I think both of those guys are very quality AHL players. And, you know, I have a similar question in that I think, you know, for me, the ideal kind of line you put together to help develop your players who have NHL potential is to have two top prospects and one veteran. Right. On the line. And that is the tried and true way that you let players develop and so having Garrett Wilson and Jerry Mayhew on the line with him I don't think that puts him in a position to understand what he needs to do to take that next step it keeps him it keeps him at the AHL mentality yeah and especially since Frost is a pass first guy like who who's the shooter there I have no idea. I mean, I guess maybe yeah, he maybe he's been known to score a lot of goals, but not like recently. So right. <laughs> Although recently is what matters, but no, you just yeah, you should be putting him with a guy that has a great shot, a great trigger, and they could play off each other. I don't think that's going to happen with this line. This line kind of reminds me of well, let's put him with the veterans. So the veterans can bring them along. And I think that's where Lappy has it wrong. Moving on to a a few other guys that I want to note for good and bad reasons. I think Max Willman is getting there. Um, He's got two goals in five games so far, but he's had some really good looks in the last couple of games. 
couldn't finish again I don't know if that's part of what's going on with this team being snake bitten but I think he's doing the right things and so I think that bodes well for a potential or call up to the Flyers but um, I want to still keep an eye on him I think it's good that Max Willman is noticeable I do get this Jason Akison vibe though which never really turned into anything any well I'm just I could be wrong, but I'm just telling you that's the vibe. Would always go down, always look good, come up, and then there's, you know, there's nothing. And then the fans would be like, well, you're not leaving him up long enough. Or, well, you're not playing. Remember the whole, it, it was crazy with oh. Jason Akison. Yeah, I was always bummed out he didn't, like, stick because he wore number 42, which is my favorite number. <laughs> but um, okay. uh, moving on to, you know, the other end of the spectrum, like I just said, Connor Bonneman, Jackson Cates, zero points. Yeah, it sounds like uh, John Belushi in Animal House. It's not good. It is not good. I think that, you know, for either of them to get move up on the list in terms of call-ups, they have to produce. That's just the bottom line with those guys and and who they are as players. Especially Bunneman. I think Kate's, you know, needs some development time, so that's fine. At this point with Bunneman, he really should be like an emergency call-up ready, but if he's not showing anything there... He's never getting called up. But again, this is where we have to say, is it the players or is it the new coach? I don't want to like totally point the finger at Ian LaPerrier, but I have to say when I'm watching games, there's moments that are good. Like you said, um, the 3-2 overtime loss was okay. That was good. But there's still no wins. And I just, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not feeling it right now. Is there anyone else that has stood out to you for good or for bad? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go positive here. Uh, I thought Igor Zamula has looked really good. And his body positioning has been good. He's been good around the net, keeping distance between him and the player and the goalie. I thought that's been good. And his retrieval has been good. I think his decisions have been mostly good. I haven't seen every minute of, of his play. But just in, in times that I'm viewing him, he looks good. So I think he's on the right track. Uh, I can't worry about him being a minus four because Cam York's a minus four because everybody's a minus. I mean, there's some players that aren't, but obviously. Uh, Also, Gerben Rupstoff looks good. It's nice to see him healthy. His wrist shot looks strong, and he's strong going to the net. You could just see he's strong on the puck. That's a good sign. You never know. Rupstoff could be that guy instead of Bunneman that gets a call up one day simply because he's strong on the puck, and there's a chance he might get some points. So I thought... I like what I see out of Rupstop. I'm a little more positive about him than maybe last year. And and that's good because I really liked him when they drafted him. Yeah, I think you're right on Rupstop there. I would absolutely put him above Bunneman on a call-up list right now. Yep. So whether you're looking for the right part to make a successful hockey team or the right part to fix your car, I'd go to Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? They're choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have rockauto.com at home and in your pocket instead. You can save tons of time and money by using rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now, so we know we can trust them. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. 
They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're going to be the same whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Russ, so kind of looking at these games the Phantoms had on an individual level, we talked about it a little bit in the other segment in terms of the latter two games versus Utica and Syracuse maybe looking a little better than the game against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, always the nemesis for the Phantoms. They have their number right now, right? It just seems that way. They do. They do. That game against Wilkes-Barre Scranton, it was... It was upsetting, I'm going to say, just because you could see it happening and you could see the plays developing where the Pens just had a solid system in place and the Phantoms just didn't know what to do to adjust. Right. And that, again, I have to say, is coaching. Yeah, it absolutely is coaching. And then, like we said, for the other two games, you know, they had two to one leads going into the third period for both of those games and couldn't shut the door and I think that again you know you're looking at coaching in terms of what is the difference between turtling to try and protect a lead and actually actively protecting a lead in a in an organized way right and I just don't think that they're quite there yet with a a true system no they're not and in that Utica game like besides the keep away it just like puck possession just wasn't happening and and to me that's like alarming it's like You've got to start getting some puck possession going, at least on a couple of your lines. But it just like looked like Utica, you know, after a while was just doing what they wanted. Yeah, they just could not handle that rush. Like Utica was so much faster, it yeah. seemed like. And I feel like the Phantoms like have what it takes to deal with that. And they just did not know how to put it together. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't think that looks good on on coaching, but you know, it's also, are the players listening? Are the players doing what they're being asked of at this point in the season? We don't know the answer to that. Really. I think we need a little bit more data, but it's starting like the worry alarm is starting to ring in the back of my head. When I'm dying for some white castle, I'll go up to Lehigh and I'll get to the bottom of it. (laughs) Well, and then in the last game against Syracuse you know that overtime goal they just got caught and it wasn't great but it's one of those things that you can easily learn from on like how to better do a change in overtime yeah and the other goalie's good is it a Miftikov something like that he he's a good goalie he he came in for Askarov when Askarov was having problems oh right right I mean he's a really good goalie like so there's no shame in, in losing to him. And I was watching some of his highlights. He made some really good saves. He did. He absolutely did. All right. So looking ahead to this week and weekend, we have a game on Wednesday against the Pens again, and then a back-to-back against the Charlotte Checkers, our uh, first look at them this season on Saturday and Sunday. So hopefully they can turn it around. That's the hope. I mean, I want to do a more positive segment. I can't. I can't if they keep losing. That's their fault. It's not mine. 
They're going to get there. Yes. Okay, real quickly before we wrap up, just want to touch on the Gary Bettman press conference from yesterday because it was probably the biggest story in the NHL out there as it continues to develop in terms of what happened with the Blackhawks and the NHL's response to that. Uh, Gary Bettman defended the actions of the league so far, dealing with Kevin Shovel Dayoff and the $2 million fine to the Blackhawks. A lot of people had questions about that, and that was kind of what Bettman was doing, was saying, yes, we found that this was appropriate, and we know that people don't agree, but you're wrong was essentially what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, just when people were talking about, hey, how come you didn't lose draft picks, but Arizona did, and just to say these are different cases and different days, it wasn't an answer. Like, there wasn't, like, an ironclad answer as to how you came about deciding not to take away any draft picks. Because the draft picks would hurt. It would hurt a lot more than the cash, trust me. And, you know, they were asked point blank, like, why don't they have a, a policy for sexual misconduct in the NHL. And Gary Bettman's like, we do have a policy. We handle things on a case-by-case basis, which is not a policy no, at all. And that leads that leads to unequal outcomes like this, that we're looking at hockey ops decisions versus sexual misconduct cases and have no like reference point for any of it. Right, right. Like, I, I appreciate the fact that he said, you know, people from the outside will come in and evaluate, and that's great. But unless they talk to every player in the league during the season randomly in a place that's not the locker room, they're not going to get the the information they're looking for, and the PA would never allow that. So why can't there be a league-mandated policy where it's spelled out, teams have to do it, league follows up on it all the time, constantly checking on it. If you were to lose, let's say, three draft picks – for anything that happened, and I hate to put draft picks in as the, you know, the thing that they lose the most, but you have to come up with some sort of penalty. If they were to lose three draft picks, uh, how likely would a team try and put winning over that ever again? They probably wouldn't. It's sad to say, but I, I think you're right there. My other big question coming out of it, clearly confidence in Gary Bettman amongst, I would say, a, a lot of the media, not all the media, but a lot of the media, um, certainly a, a significant portion of NHL fans out there. But we know that, you know, he reports to the owners. You know, is there anything that can be done here, given how much power the owners have in this situation? And nobody on that end of things is really saying anything right now. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I felt like you know, Gary Bettman's done a pretty good job in his tenure, but this was not handled right. And it's all damage control at this point. And not very good damage control. I mean, literally everything that was coming out of his mouth was uh, offensive in some way. Yeah, and I don't think that was his, 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 you know, the goal. I didn't understand the press conference other than if they just wanted to give the media a chance to react to it. And maybe that's what they wanted to do since the Blackhawks shut everybody out. Maybe that's what they were doing. Considering they had to be practically blackmailed into letting Rick Westhead answer or ask a question who's, you know, done the most work on this subject. I don't know if that was the intent. Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, uh, this won't go away. It's not going to be one of these things that everybody forgets about or, oh, this is just what everybody's stuck on at the moment. It's not going to go away. Hopefully we don't hear about any more cases but who knows? Well, I certainly hope they 
look at this and look at what transpired in the whole situation as well as you know the reactions to this press conference and maybe make some additional changes but you know the bar is low wanting to end things on a much brighter note than that but still some fun controversy our flyers fun thing you know some more halloween costume photos came out and cam atkinson who has been a sheer delight for flyers fans this season i have a bone to pick with him which is you know related to a conversation we had on yesterday's show about the dc universe (laughs) but cam atkinson Cute family photo for Halloween, right? They're all dressed as superheroes. Cam Atkinson, of course, is Superman because that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. His wife is Wonder Woman. He's got one kid in a Batman costume, which fine. We don't like Batman, but it's a cute kid. So we'll let it pass, right? Yes. Other child, Spider-Man. That's Marvel. What are we doing? What are we doing here, Cam? Yeah, I don't think he was keeping in mind whether he was all DC or all Marvel, I bet you he didn't even know. wasn't even a thought. Kid just said, oh, I want to be Spider-Man. You know, so it's like, I right. know. I'm I'm just giving him crap because it, it's a very <laughs> comic booky fan thing to do. And <laughs> say you don't mix and match. But it's a cute picture. I give him credit. Oh, yeah. All right, Cam. I, I have now forgiven you. I've gone through the emotions. <laughs> You, your children are cute, and they can dress up as whatever superheroes make them. He's happy. a little short for Superman. That's about the only thing you could say. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. We will be back again tomorrow with a recap of tonight's game versus the Yotes, and we'll go into the mailbag. So send us those questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ, and I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.